0: Hey podcast listeners this is Todd Finley the founder of HBCU grad and on this episode I talked to a lady that founded HBCU day at her school who's the founder of teacher bay and who has some real good lessons for parents or students or anybody that education affects so I hope you enjoy this and let us know how you feel about it once the episode is over. Welcome to episode 17 of the HBCU Audio Experience. I'm Todd Finley, and I am here with Applemania Bradford. She, at one time, was the 2010 Rookie Teacher of the Year. She was the 2016 Teacher of the Year, was recognized by the Atlanta Business Chronicles as one of the, one, one of the people on the move. She implemented HBCU Day at her school. And she's also the founder of Teacher Bay. How are you today, Appleman?
1: I am wonderful, Todd. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you. Now, I want to start off asking you, how do you balance uh, your your professional and personal life? It seems like you you have a lot going on.
1: <laughs> so I definitely have a lot going on. Balance is it's to be balanced you really have to be a perfectionist and i don't claim the thing to be a perfectionist balance is something that's ongoing for me so when i say balance it's not that i am an expert at balancing life because you know we all have these these um, multiple things that we're doing and wear diverse hats and roles so it's it's kind of hard to Perfect balance. But for me, balance is just having a healthy balance between my career, making sure that when I, you know, when I'm working, when I'm at work, it's all about my students, about my, you know, my school community and when I leave school, that's it. I'm not bringing nothing home. You know, I had to find that out the hard way. I don't bring anything home, not doing no grades. I'm not grading no papers. It's about my family and making sure that my son, his well-being is taken care of. And then, you know, I make time for myself because that's so important, self-care. And I make time for my social life. So, I'm just trying to have a healthy balance among all of the, the roles that I have and the many hats that I wear. I'm just trying to find a balance between it, it, them all and keeping it healthy.
0: Okay. Well, that, that's a great perspective Ooh. to have. Tell me about who you were as a child.
1: Wow. was this, this uh, effervescent child. I mean, my name is Applemania. So to have a name like that, you got to have this personality. And I think that... Um, it, it was just God given, you know, and you have to have a big personality with a name. Like and just as a child, I grew up in a Christian home, Christian values. My parents are both ministers. So i seen the work that they did in the church and the community and just, you know, cultivating relationships amongst several people. So I think that is what um, helped you know, help me have a healthy upbringing and those foundational things that they taught me as a young child that I'm using as skills in my adult life, you know, I just had a a big network of friends, childhood friends that I grew up with and church family, and I, I really had a great childhood life, and that comes from my upbringing and my, you know, my Christian parents and being amongst my sisters, we were raised as best friends, so I had a great, um, childhood. And I mean, me growing up as a child just had a big personality. The same person I was um, at five years old, I'm that same 33 year old today.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, as you matriculated through your college, through your hei- through your childhood, when did you choose or when did you know that you were going to go to a HBCU?
1: Oh, wow. I knew I was I was going to HBCU in my primary years, my elementary years. And the reason I knew that is because one of my best cousins, um, Vicki, she attended um, Bethune-Cookman College. So, you know, and she pledged there. And I got to um, know the HBCU experience through her, you know, going to the Florida Classic and being around her, going to her graduation and so on and things that she had going on there. So I knew then that I wanted to go to a HBCU. Um, okay. That was that was that was mainly it.
0: Okay. And you went to Florida A and M of course. Of course. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what made you choose FAM, which is the biggest rival of BCU now, but BCC back then?
1: Right. So the reason I chose FAM because I mean I had friends and you know family members back home that went to FAMU, but. In high school, we had a program, the MAPS program. And we will. uh, my MAPS teacher, she will always try to give us the HBCU experience. So we will come up here for the Atlantic Classic when FAMU played, you know, an opposing team, maybe Tennessee State or whomever they played in those years. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to FAMU. And I had a lot of people from back home, you know, childhood friends and families that went to FAMU as well. So I just knew that FAMU was the place and the school, the university, the HBCU, the number one HBCU that I wanted to attend. And I remember um, FAMU, some ambassadors for FamU came out to my little old school, Bartow High School, came out there to recruit. So I knew right mm-hmm. then, I want to say I was a, a junior maybe in high school. I knew right then that I was I was going to go to Florida A and M university.
0: Okay. And when you went to FAM, what did you major in and why?
1: So when I went to them, I was, uh, I majored in um, education, elementary education. When I was in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher, she left such a huge impact on me. Um, She made sure and instilled in us, you know, skills, lifelong skills that will, that I still use today she created opportunities for us to learn by making connections with the real world through like hands-on experiences. And the reason why I just love my kindergarten teacher so much, and she had a strong impact on me because she was all about family. And I remember she would take me and my sister home. She would invite me and my family over for like Thanksgiving and Christmas. And she was all about family and just ensuring like, her students made connections with the real world. So she really impacted me and her teaching style, and her, you know, what she did to invest in her students. And I was like, you know, I, I want to be, you know, a teacher when I grew up, grow up. And that's, that was pretty much my call. And it was my calling. And then my, like, like I said, my cousin, Vicki, um, she went to Bethune Clinton and She was also a teacher and she inspired me so much. So, you know, when I got to fam, um, when I got to film, I said, Oh God, I don't know if I want to do nursing, or education. So I'm gonna tell you my freshman year, like my freshman start in August of 2004, I said, okay, I'm gonna do nursing. And then by December, I was like, Oh no, mom, I can't do this. I need to do education. She was like, well, go ahead and switch it over now while it's early. And I'm glad I made that decision because I knew I wanted to be an educator. And I, I don't know, like, I think the nurses, because, you know, at that time, just I was thinking about it from a financial standpoint and not really, um, not really thinking about the passion that was in my heart for education. So um, I'm glad I chose that major um, at H- uh, at FAMU.
0: Right. So you had it figured out right. in your heart at a young age. Yes. <laughs> you kind of let your head and your pockets kind of almost sway you to doing something else.
1: Absolutely. Huh? Absolutely.
0: That's <laughs> understandable. That's what that's what a lot of people do. Now, so you became a kindergarten teacher, correct? Yes.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Okay. For the parents out here that are raising children that aren't in kindergarten yet, what can What are a couple things that you can suggest to parents to do to prepare their kids for a successful kindergarten and a successful uh, life in education?
1: Well, parents, I'm a parent too. So I'm a parent first, and I want to first say this, parents, you are your child's first teacher. So whatever your children learn and they bring to school, that's coming from their home environment. So you have such a strong influence on your child's academic success and what i'll say so that children are you know kindergarten ready and uh, and school ready um that that please parents whatever you do start reading to your child and reading with your child read literacy and that's not just reading it's reading and writing um to be literate you got to be able to read and write so you have to start those skills before they enter classroom you know the classroom Yes, you expect the teachers to help them learn and matriculate, but parents, we have to be our child's uh, number one advocate. So it's very important that we start pushing those skills that's going to teach them how to become literate in reading and writing, because in this society, reading is going to take you many, many places. So I would definitely recommend um, parents to be more involved. There's so many public libraries around. Make sure you have membership and access to those public libraries and giving your child those real world experiences and not depending on the school system to get them. Doing things with your child that they're going to remember and they can take to school and a teacher can cultivate what they already know and what they already have learned in their very own household. So I just want to encourage and I want to motivate parents to understand that you are your child's first parent and that learning definitely takes place in in the home first. So definitely do whatever you need to do. Get those free resources. Pinterest will be your best friend on what type of things you can do to get your child kindergarten ready. Let me give you a few skills. They need to be able to write their first name. They need to be able to hold a pencil. They need to be able to recognize numbers 0 to 20 as well as count. And they also need to be able to recognize um, their letters and letter sounds. That will get them started and ready for a jump start to kindergarten.
0: Now, that was great. That was great. Now, once they hit kindergarten, should they be doing the same thing or is there a certain amount of time they should be reading to them in addition to what they do in the classroom? What, what are your thoughts on yeah, that? So I
1: suggest my parents to read with their child 30 minutes a night, 30 minutes a day when they come home. And I really encourage my parents to let the child choose the book because, you know, in school, you know, there's... Academics and Common Core and things that kind of, uh, kind of put a, a fence around what we do and how we do it at home. Give them a little bit more flexibility and allow them to choose books of their choice because, of course, they want to read things that are that are of interest of them. So allow them, of course, get them level readers. When I say level readers, you're going to see books with numbers on it, or you're going to see a book with a Lexile uh, on it. You can go to scholastic.com and look up your child's reading level or Lexile level, and that'll give you a good a good start of where what type of book or level book your child should be engaged in and i definitely okay. want to suggest nonfiction reading is good non-fiction are, you know stories that are real so make sure they are engaged in fictional and non reading
0: okay now this is a, a hot topic that i see kind of discussed and debated often online um, what do you think about electronics with little kids Watching a lot of YouTube and things like
1: that. Well, I have to be honest, Todd. This is a 21st century globally driven society, a world. You know, our boys and girls are these 21st century learners. And I I absolutely love technology. I don't think that it can replace what teachers or parents do with their children. I am still a traditional type of uh, teacher, but I'm also innovative. And I think technology and um, the way it has evolved in our, in our society, I think it can be used if it's monitored. I do highly encourage parents to monitor their child's screen time Like, I know with my child personally, you know, he loves loves technology. He loves the tablet. He loves the iPad. He loves YouTube. And you really have to just monitor their screen time, and you have to be literally engaged in what they're doing. And I tell him, listen, if you want to look at YouTube or look at TV, you got to do some learning, too. So, of course, I have several academic apps him to be engaged in but um i i, I absolutely i'm an advocate of technology because it, as i said before i'm an innovative teacher and i use technology to enhance my teaching strategies but it can never replace the work that i do
0: right and right it serves, and i'm, I'm it with it
1: serves more as a um, assistant you know
0: right i'm with you because i think the more screen time that kids get uh, the more they'll be prepared you know for life as it as it continues to go because we're not going no, going to be no
1: we're not
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be you know more going on the phones more going on on um, tablets it's going to be more going on uh, just just in technology with all the voice devices and if they get comfortable with what's going on now i think it's just going to you it's know gonna help be, them they're going to they
1: be go. prepared exactly
0: Yeah, I I totally, I totally, you know, feel that the more screen time, the better. And I know a lot of people don't like that. And, you know, oftentimes they, um, they think that if you have, if your child is on the screen more, they're not going to learn to learn to read and write at, you know, at the right right pace, but, you know, I, I understand what they're saying, but when they're at school, they don't have those electronics, especially, you know, before kindergarten. So when they come home and on the weekends, I think it's a good idea to have them on, you know, connected to the different electronics that are out
1: there. Yeah, a lot of these classrooms nowadays, causes, especially mine, our 21st century. So we have active boards and iPads that our students have access to because I, I do teach in a Title I school where, you know, the resources okay. are available because most of those students don't have the students that, you know, I taught some of them don't have access to that technology. And Todd, I'm going to tell you, the school district that I come from, students in third through third through 12th grade, they all have their personal laptops um, so they can have it available to use at the house. So most schools now in school districts, they are becoming more 21st century accessible and, you know, providing those students with uh, technological devices to learn at home.
0: Right. Uh, that's awesome. And, you know, and you have a real incredible opinion because you won teacher rookie of the year in 2010 and then you won teacher of the year in 2016 so i think think people need to listen to you (laughs) now when you won rookie teacher rookie of Uh the year i have a couple questions with that what did you do what did you do different to make yourself stand out and how did you communicate those differences to the people that vote on who becomes the teacher of the year
1: Year. Sure. So basically when I became rookie teacher of the year, it was during my 2010, 2011 school year. And I was a first year teacher um, at a school in Gadsden County, not too far from Tallahassee, Florida. And I think because of my passion and my spirit and just being a new teacher on fire and ready to make a difference and be a difference maker and a change agent in those students lives and the things that I brought you know my skills and that kind of set me apart from you know tenure teachers I was lively I was you know motivated and I inspire others with my you know uh, teaching strategies and the things that I brought to the school and I implemented at our school, especially being a first year teacher and being the chair over the African American, uh, the black history program. So I think, you know, my colleagues seen that and it was like, listen, we're voting, you know, they voted me as rookie teacher of the year. So that was wow. just a great honor to have.
0: Wow! So you were all so you were doing things that were provide that were already giving you visibility. Yes, absolutely, and-
1: yes, yeah. and that made me stand apart. Yes, yes.
0: Okay, okay, that makes sense. Now, what different challenges do first year teachers encounter?
1: Um, I'm going to tell you now, really, first-year teachers, and there's a lot of research behind it. they get out of the classroom because of the lack of support from the administration team and just from their colleagues, and they're not motivated. There are so many demands in our career. You know, they they basically well, as we say, lost in the sauce, and I literally mean that. They don't have the support that they need, and, you know, the students nowadays, they can be a handful in the challenge, and they just don't have that balance. And they don't have the necessary skills or people uh, within their school building that can really support them because everybody is trying to figure stuff out and get things together. So I think it's because of the lack of support and they're just not mo- motivating. And you know that motivation drives your passion in what you do.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. You have to be. You have to be motivated. So that's was that one of the reasons you started teacher, teacher? Oh, my
1: God. Absolutely. That is exactly one of my reasons. And that's a part of one of our four pillars is to provide mentorship to rookie teachers so that we can help them redefine their passion and, you know, spark that you know that flame that they once had that passion that they once had for education and we just want to support them and cultivate them and, and let them know that listen you're not alone because the same struggles and challenges that you have as a first second and third year teacher fourth fifth sixth and ten year teachers are having those same challenges so we're in here together and uh, that's that's one of the biggest pillars of teacher bay is to cultivate relationships and mentor uh, mentor rookie teachers
0: okay so te- let's go back a little bit. Tell me exactly what Teacher Bay
1: is. So Teacher Bay, Inc., Balanced and Educated, is a nonprofit organization. It's a network exclusive for educators only. Our purpose is to unify educators together and empower beyond our classrooms and communities. Our focus, are mentorship to rookie teachers, um, awareness to self and self-care, um, unifying educators as well as helping our communities thrive okay
0: okay that so that was there anything else out there like this before you started there it?
1: Are a lot of there are a lot of uh, programs and a lot of educator driven type of programs for educators like uh, PAGE and NEA National Educator Association there's a lot of professional type of organizations for teachers but I don't there's none, to my knowledge, that stick out to me that really focuses on um, women teachers in the capacity of what we do and being able to have that balance and being able to be vulnerable and not, you know, not being judged and letting your hair down, but also being you know accountable for the things that we do in and outside the classroom to inspire and motivate others so i i really don't believe that there was anything out there such as or exclusive as teacher bay balance and educated and we want to show other educators that listen we don't we don't got it all figured out we're still learning but it's about having that healthy balance and again we're not perfectionists at balance balance in life but we do want to show other educators that there's more to just being tied down to a grade book or a computer or, you know, to a classroom all day. there's other things out there that, you know, make us, make our careers much more better, you know, and it's just about showing other educators of what balance and having that balanced lifestyle, balancing the home life, the career life, the social life and just having that healthy balance amongst them all.
0: Right. Right. That makes sense. So what's, What's your long-term vision for Teacher Bay?
1: My long-term vision is to definitely put Teacher Bay on the map globally. I definitely see Teacher uh, Bay going globally, literally across the seas, and being a network for teachers, women teachers, to come together, collaborate, and inspire each other and motivate each other. and mm-hmm you know to make sure that we redefine education in a positive light because we get a lot of negative attraction but teacher base here to redefine education and um, help retain teachers because we need those young effervescent those um, teachers that have that passion and to let you know other teachers know that listen we're in this together and Um, we, we want to help support, you know, our students, we, that's, we do that already, but we want to make sure that we can help those in our communities as well. So just redefining education, um, you know, retaining teachers in education with passion. Let me tell you something, a lot of teachers in the classroom, they're in the classroom because teaching was literally, literally their last resort. Basically, if you have a degree, you can teach. Now, some schools they make it difficult for you to come in without a teaching a certificate or a teaching degree. But there are programs that allow, you know, people to just come in our careers without a teaching degree and teach. I, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, look down on those people. But for me, you gotta have a passion. You got to have a passion because you're literally molding and shaping young lives and minds. And it really takes a person with a big heart to shape young minds. And I just, you know, this is something that just doesn't happen overnight. You really got to, this is, it has to be passion driven, you know, and a lot of people, I mean, and it's not that they can't gain that passion because they get in the classroom and, you know, they get so heartfelt about the students and the work that they do and that passion, it it, kind of comes along, but we see it all the time. People, well, I couldn't get a job in my field. So, you know, I started, you know, teaching and this. And I'm like, okay, well, what made you want to become? Well, very honest, I couldn't get a job in my career. So I came over to this side. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Right. What do you say, What do you say to the people that say that the educational system is failing our students? Do you agree with that?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, I definitely couldn't agree with, you know, that. Now, I do. There are some things in education and I won't get too, you know, too deep in it. There are some things in our education system. Let me put it like this. We have a lot of people. And, you know, you know, that make decisions for educators that have never touched a classroom before. Have never taught a student before in their life, and they're making decisions for us. I think that is number one failure of the education system, because you got people in these offices and these, you know, public public um, governing offices that are making decisions for us, and they've never touched a classroom before, and it's totally unfair for them to make those, you know, policies and rules and put us in the box and what we should be doing and how we should be teaching and what curriculum we should be using when they never touched the classroom before. So I think that's the number one failure and so you know as teacher teacher leaders you know and teacher bases, we're it's full of teacher leaders our job is to become change agents and to help become decision makers in policies and uh, regarding curriculum and education reform
0: right right now how much flexibility do you have uh while within the whole educational structure of being able to Teach things that are outside the curriculum.
1: Now, well, you have to. So, you have the flexibility to teach those things in the curriculum how you want to teach it, as long as you know the kids, of course, are learning. Um, they do pick something some things in place that, you know, don't afford us with those opportunities to teach outside the curriculum, but there are definitely ways around it to give those, to make the connection and time whatever it is you wanted to teach with a curriculum standard. Um, so to be honest, we do, I mean, it's rules and regulations. You have to teach the standards. You can't go without teaching the standards. But there's ways to connect things to those standards to give those students those opportunities and afford those students the opportunities that the curriculum or the textbook or the Common Core doesn't provide. That's so right. for me, for me, Todd, it's all about making real-world connections. So I am constantly mm-hmm. making sure that my students have hands-on learning and I'm not a textbook teacher. I'm not a worksheet teacher. I'm not a workbook. I literally bring the curriculum to life. So I try to make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, let me tell you for example, we have a, a social studies standards that I love from the bottom of my heart. I was able to initiate and implement community helper day, community helper day. It's when I, you know, when you the kids are learning about community helpers and what community helpers do to keep our community safe and resourceful so i implemented a day where you know i partnered with different community helpers pharmacists scientists nurses doctors uh, chefs culinary arts you name it uh teachers firefighters cops you name all types of community helpers and what i did was brought these Um, different career oriented people into our school and they our boys and girls got to dress up as a community helper and it's a a full day learning experience where the kids travel from classroom to classroom to learn about the work that the communities the community helpers do right with, you know, within our own, very own communities, So this is a learning experiment experience that they may not get anywhere else, you know. So it's about bringing those learning experiments right, you know, to your very own classroom because they may not be afforded, you know, those experiences at home or, or in another structured environment. So for me, it's about bringing the curriculum to life and bringing hands-on learning experience for my students to be, to be able to experience the real world.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's so important to infuse that real life and then just do stuff hands-on because every different child learns way. a different sure. way.
1: Absolutely. You have awesome. to differentiate yeah. instruction so that those students are still learning regardless of how they learn. They're still learning the content when you're providing the differentiated right. instruction.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly. Now, I want to talk about this HBCU day that you started. Oh, yeah. Tell me. Tell me about So, it.
1: of course, you know, I am an advocate for historically black colleges and university because, as you know, I attended the number one HBCU, which is the Florida A&M University, also known as FAMU. Um, for me, it was just important for my students that look like me to know about HBCUs, not just FAMU, but HBCUs all over. When I was a um, student, when I was a kindergarten student, I didn't know what an HBCU was and I definitely didn't learn it from the school that I was in. So, you know, I learned it because of the people in my community, my childhood siblings that were going off to of college and my cousins, family members. I didn't know anything about an HBCU. So for me as a teacher, that that is important to me that our students, our boys and girls are aware of the universities and systems that they can attend. It's not only about, you know, the state universities, the college universities that they see or those Ivy League schools. It's not all about that. There's lots of schools that afford students many opportunities, but the experience is what's important. And I feel, and I may be a little biased, HBCU, having that HBCU experience is it's beyond all that you can imagine because it comes with so much so, for me, implementing HBCU Day, and that was under my teacher of the year um, year, I wanted to initiate and implement a lot of things that our school didn't have. HBCU Day was very dear to my heart. So, I was able to implement that. We came up with a wall. We had a lot of teachers that attended HBCU. So, we had this HBCU wall with all of the teacher faces and the schools that they went to. So, when the kids walked by, they could see, oh, Look at Mrs. Bradford; she went to FAMU, or and look at Miss Such and Such; she went to Hampton or Howard. So then they can learn more about, especially the fourth and fifth graders. They usually know about HBCUs, so they knew a little bit more. And just getting them uh, aware of what an HBCU is and how important it is, and why these schools, why HBCUs are so important, because that's you know back in the day that's all we had. Those were schools and universities just for us. So it's important that our students know our history and they know about HBCUs and why they're so important because, you know, they may not get that experience nowhere else. So for me, it was to implement HBCU Day at my school. And it's been very. All
0: right. Now. The other teachers. What schools did they go to? The ones that went to HBCU?
1: So we had a lot of Albany State grads. We had a lot of um, Clark grads. We had a lot of Alabama A and M. Um, we had a few Bethune Cookman's. Um, we had maybe one or two. You know, upstate Howard. Um, I want to say, oh, South Carolina. We had. We had a few of teachers from that went to South Carolina State, but a lot of students, a lot of the teachers, they went to school in the South because they're pretty much from the South.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. but
1: uh,
0: founder of Teacher Bay, the Teacher of the Year, yeah. and founder of HBCU Day went to FAMU. <laughs> how
1: how great is that? I mean, you know, FAMU just produces greatness. So, I mean, what can I say? It's just a blessing. Damn, you know it's just a blessing
0: right okay okay that um that makes a lot of sense now did you have any pushback from the uh, from administration i
1: did i did and it's funny okay. because you know he <laughs> he's gonna hear this and he's gonna kill me but we have a really great relationship and he's a former mm-hmm. um a, a, a principal he was just like, well, Apple, Manny, you know I love it, and I'm all for it, and I support it. But you got to realize we, we work with a variety of teachers, and everybody, you know, we don't want to make it just exclusive for HBCU Day. I said, well, because I am the chair of Black History Month, I feel that it's important to have HBCU Day within Black History Month. That's a part of our culture. That's a part of our history. And our boys and girls, not only our boys and girls, but faculty members here, they need to understand the culture, the background of HBCUs and why they were founded. So, you know, I gave my background and my spill about how important my school, my HBCU was to me. And I wanted to carry that flame on to our boys and girls to make them aware. And he should definitely be backing it up. I get where he was coming from, but I didn't get it because I felt like, you know, this is Black History Month. It's about learning about our culture. HBCUs are a part of our history, it's a part of our culture. And we can have it during H you know, during Black History Month. So it can be exclusive, you know, for yeah. us. So I did have a little pushback, but I had major support and he did support it, you know, and he did. He really did.
0: Okay. What made him come around? Was there something well, he didn't was have there a place.
1: Place didn't. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't backing down. He had came in. He had came in in the reign of my teacher of the year. Literally, he had began his principalship the year that I served as the teacher of the year. So he okay. needed to, you know, my my former principal, you know, that awarded me that award before she loved. She loved the idea. She was a HBCU grad as well. But I just needed to get him on, you know. I just needed to kind of pull his little coattail and kind of get him to understand the purpose of it. So he 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 came on board, and after that, he he never messed with me again about it. He was like, "Look, do your thing. You run this show. Don't ask if you need money. I write the check. That's it." But I don't. You got it, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. So, that's,
0: that's,
1: You know, yeah, when principals that's... they they start their new role, they gotta kind of fill the system out, kind of fill the school out, and kind of see. So I think that's pretty much what he was doing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's amazing. Now that you now that you're changing school districts, do you think they're gonna keep keep that going on or you're gonna start a new one at your I'm new gonna school?
1: definitely try it. I've I've seen it more common now. Um in the Metro Atlanta. I've seen a lot of like during Black History Month they have like you know, they have college day and then they have H B C U Day and they do the doors and stuff and they wear the the H B C U shirts that represent the H B C U that they went to. So I'm gonna definitely um inquire about it and i if they don't have it i'm definitely going to make that one of my initiatives to take over to the new school
0: okay so if anybody wants to join teach, teacher bay or find out more about it where can they where can they find information about that
1: so let me answer the first part first um teacher bay Inc. um we're currently not accepting new membership we want to focus on cultivating the relationship with members we have now, but if you want to learn more about Teacher Bay Inc. and what we're doing in our community and beyond our in our classrooms and beyond our classrooms, then you can definitely find us on Instagram at Teacher Bay Inc. as well as Facebook at Teacher Bay Inc. Right now, our website is currently under construction, but if you're if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook there'll definitely be posting updates regarding our website and events that are taking place. Um, soon. we have a lot of events coming up and we are very excited about it. So to learn more about those events again, follow us on Teacher Bay, Inc. Instagram and Facebook.
0: Cool. Now if people want to follow you, where can they find you online?
1: If you want to follow Apple Mania Bradbury, you can find your Instagram at i bonita Manzanas. that is i b o n i t a m a n z a n a s i know it's pretty long but the easiest way to follow me is to go on uh at teacher bay inc and you'll be able to follow me on you'll find me on um teacher bay inc you'll find my my account my personal account
0: okay how did how did you get your instagram name
1: well my instagram name i wanted to be different going me be honest i didn't want people to like instagram that's my social life i don't like you know i like to i have a balanced life a healthy balance so i'm like oh, i need a name that parents and you know church folks <laughs> won't right. be able to find me so um, right. my name is it comes from my I, you know i you can't tell me. I don't have a Spanish, a a sister Latina side to me. So it's a Spanish. It, <laughs> it means the beautiful apples. So my name is okay. Apple Mania. So my Instagram is the beautiful apples.
0: Um, in Spanish. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, yeah. y- your, en- your energy is, is contagious. Um, and I'm always happy to see people that are passionate about what they're doing because I think passion result turns into energy and yes. energy turns in the time that you spend on it and caring. And when you spend a lot of time and care about something, then you can be good at it, which yes. is good. for all you take on. So I'm, um, I'm happy for you. Thank um, you. we're here to support you at all times, but before we end, um, I want you to have that. You have the opportunity to ask the question of the day mm-hmm. and the question of the day can be uh, about anything, but you'll get a chance to gather insights from the community and you can ask anything from how do you feel about kids having cell phones at seven years old mm-hmm. to um, would you send your kid to a HBCU? Why wouldn't you send your kid to a HBCU? Uh, what's the best city in the world? You can ask anything. So I want to give you the chance to gain some insight or just um, have a little fun with it and ask the community your question of the day.
1: Okay. So my question of the day, for those that are listening, um, because Teacher Bay is a newly um, nonprofit organization, I'm going to ask for the community support. So if you are a... uh, a sponsor or you have a small business or you know are involved with nonprofits and helping nonprofits thrive I'm asking for your support um if you will follow me on my Instagram at teacher Ray inc or you can email me at teacher b period a period e period INC at gmail.com and connect with me, that would be so helpful and great. Right now, my question is for the community. We need your help. As a newly nonprofit organization, we need your help so we can continue to do the work that we do in and outside of our classrooms and helping our communities thrive and redefine education. So my question to the community is asking uh, for your help. And I, we, we definitely need it. We need mutually benefits for our nonprofit and for whatever you're doing too, it's all about network. It's about a healthy network and making sure that everybody is reaping and benefiting from it. So I'm asking. That's just my question. I'm asking for help for, from the community.
0: And and I really like that. I, I like that right hook on uh, <laughs> on our question of the day because and and I'm gonna tell you why because um, it's something that you truly live mm-hmm. and. You know, I don't know, you know, we're at, we have a lot of followers now, but Mm -hmm. you were probably one of our first thousand followers.
1: Yay. I (laughs) was. I'm excited about that.
0: You know, and that means a lot. So that means you support people, you know, that you think are, you know, thorough or quality and and early stages instead of, you know, being late stage and, uh, you know, you're asking for help in your early stages. So we're here to help you. Uh, because you, not because, but, uh, you know, you were there to support us as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have our utmost support.
1: Yay. Thank you so much, Todd. I really appreciate you and my HBCU grad network and family. I love you guys, and I really appreciate the ongoing support, and I appreciate the partnership that we're going to have for a lifetime.
0: Thank you. Have a good day.
1: And you too. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate your attention and your time. If you haven't already, please please share the podcast and also rate us on iTunes. If we deserve a one, give us a one. If we deserve a five, give us a five. Either way, we appreciate your feedback. Have a great day.